Hey folks, Zach Ostrin here, IU Insider Indianapolis Start. It's Thursday, September 21st, 2023. It's Mind Your Banners, midweek Mind Your Banners, but we're not talking football. We are talking basketball as uh, as ever. Mike Nislick with me from the Bloomington Herald Times. Uh, welcome to the crossover. I, I don't know if you've ever, this is this is what we call the the crossover when the beat, when basketball ramps up, but football's still going on uh, in earnest. Um, Indiana basketball held its team media day. This is the, I don't know, the second or third year in a row they've done this. They've done it previous iterations in the past, but they've been consistent with it um, for the last two or three years. Everybody available, um, Mike Woodson kind of at the podium, Terry Morin at the podium, and then some players at the podium, but then also just a ton of breakout time. And it's always interesting because there's never any kind of one theme to these things because everybody's kind of always working on their own stories, gathering for a variety of preseason features, whatever else. Um, but I, I, this one I think was interesting, Mike, because, and I know you weren't here a year ago, but obviously you can, you know, you can see this if you just look at the numbers and, and different things. Indiana is going to be a much changed team from last season. We knew that. Even before the start of last season, if anything, we expected it to be more changed with Xavier Johnson, you know, back unexpectedly for a sixth year. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be a, a season of real overhaul for Indiana. But on the other hand, I think it's going to be a really interesting sort of season to watch Mike Woodson sort of assemble all these pieces. When you hear just the little snippets of McKenzie and Baco talking about scoring in different ways or you know, Malik Renew talking about everybody being able to shoot the ball better. Maybe the floor will be spaced differently. You know, different guys maybe having the ball in their hands more, you know, putting it on the floor than we expect. Um, it's going to be interesting just to see how Indiana puts all these pieces together. Well, yeah, one of the interesting things, I think, is that, you know, Woodson has that NBA experience and, you know, free agency and trades and all that roster turnover and I asked him about this is, is more common. And he pointed to a time when the Knicks uh, uh, went one year where they rotated in new, nine new guys to surround Carmelo Anthony. Um, you know, some coaches I don't think have made the change where, you know, you're used to developing players over a certain amount of years and, um, you know, having that pay off. And now that's really near impossible. Um, and so is he better suited in this era, in this era to be a collegiate coach is just because he has that experience. And, you know, he, he mentioned 10 new faces. Uh, what is it? Uh, four, four transfers, three high school signees and or no, three transfers, three high school signees and four walk-ons, new walk-ons. So 10 new faces total. Um, so making that gel and mesh all in, you know, a couple months time, you know, he said they're not there yet, not even close, but um, you know, he didn't, shy away from expectations either he said the goal is still the same and um you know it doesn't sound like he's interested in making excuses uh you know at, even though they have such a a new you know their, their nucleus will be totally different from what it was last year forgive me for one second we have to pause this podcast while i pull something that my dog should not have out of his mouth um i think what you know it goes without saying that teams that lose what Indiana lost from last season, whether you look at sort of traditional stats, you look at, you know, volume statistics, tempo free statistics, whatever, the, the, just the, the total production drain, most teams don't get better from that. Most teams don't even sort of hold serve from that, um, you know, unless you are maybe in a, you know, sort of an early 2010s Kentucky, a mid 2010s Duke where you're just – used to this rhythm of constantly sort of 
reloading and, and reloading and reloading with with one and done or two and done players. Um, Indiana obviously brought in some talented freshmen, certainly some talented players from the portal. But if you'd look at Indiana kind of you talk about, you know, maybe kind of the old way of thinking about roster building, thinking about player development, roster development versus the new way. If you looked at Indiana through the lens of, of how we would have viewed this 10, 15 years ago, you'd say this is going to be a down year for Indiana. How can it not be? There are just you know too many holes left. There's, there's too much production left to, to sort of pick up. But on the other hand, number one, obviously, just in general in college basketball, this is much more the norm than it used to be in terms of attrition and, and roster turnover and having to go into the portal and fill holes and things like that. But number two, And this has kind of been the theme that has been most interesting to me since quite literally the night Indiana lost to Miami and Albany. And Mike Woodson was already turning the page in his own head, um, at least with some of the words that he used, some of his his, his sort of word choice. Indiana's not going to be the team that it was the last two years by choice. Mike Woodson has said many times that he'd never really had a player like Trace Jackson Davis, and he'd never really built a team around a player like that. And he said this diplomatically, but he essentially was saying, that's not really what I want to do. I just inherited a player who was so talented and so committed to me and to us as a program. And obviously, you know, he continued, we developed him, he continued to get better and better. There was no way I wasn't going to build my team around him and what he could do. But that's not necessarily in Woodson's own mind, you know, the, the, the sort of ideal vision or the archetype or whatever you want to say of how his team should function. And he made a point, um, in his podium talk, and he also – I got a chance to, to sit with him for a few minutes before. He made the same point to me. He said, I, I bet people would be surprised to know that we ran more pick-and-roll actions last season than we did post-ups. We were perceived as this post-up heavy team. But actually, you know, I think the point I was trying to make is we were already transitioning more toward what I want to be offensively than perhaps people realized last year. Now I think you get a team that is – you know, both in terms of obviously Woodson having maybe more time with some of these players and then also just the skill sets that he has elected to bring in to fill the holes that were left in his roster, a team that is not just going to sort of like try to rebuild from last season, but it's going to really reconstruct itself. And that is where I think it's it's fascinating to kind of watch this unfold and little snippets we'd see from videos and practice in the summer, but then to kind of talk to these players and these coaches um, about how it's, it is starting to sort of build itself heading into preseason because this is a team that is really, I think, just going to look and behave very, very differently. What was there just, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, talked to Mackenzie and Baco, and he talked to his first question was about him. And, uh, you know, there's some good stuff about his mom kind of helping uh, kick off the recruiting for there. What was their plan if they didn't get him? Uh, you know, in terms of like landing a star or, you know, cause they got him in the spring, were they going to roll without anything else? Or was they, were they in, on transfers? Like w- without, see, he seems obviously such a key piece of what they're going to try to do now. Uh, but he fell in their lap in sort of a strange, you know, circumstance, uh, obviously with the Duke stuff. Uh, what was Woodson's plan if they did not I mean, cause that kind of came out of nowhere, right? Yeah. They, so they actually, um, you know, it's it would be interesting in kind of the, the alternate history version. There were a couple of transfers that they targeted that they wound up not getting. One was Chris Ledlam. The other was Dalton Connect. Two different kinds of players. Ledlam was 
you know, kind of more of like a three, four, but on the four side at Harvard. And there was a feeling from Indiana, like maybe they could play him in some three or maybe obviously some small ball four. And then connect was much more of kind of a, a, a two or a wing that could certainly play up a little bit at the three, but probably there were going to be some questions. I think he was coming from Northern Colorado about where he'd be athletically and defensively when he was taking such a big, big jump, especially if he was going to play the three. Um, Connect wound up at Tennessee, Ledlam committed to Tennessee, and then backed out of that late in the summer and went to St. John's. Um, if Indiana gets either of those guys, and it certainly wanted both, I don't know if McKenzie and Bach was at Indiana. So there's there's a little bit of kind of – that kind of goes in both directions a little bit in the yeah. sense that, obviously, as you said, Indiana would not have expected, could not have gone into the spring thinking, oh, this is part of the plan. But right. on the other hand, Indiana kind of had other plans in the portal, and probably only wound up in a position to, you know, seriously recruit Mbako in part because those plans fell through. The one thing I will say, and obviously fans will know this, but it, it, it is again, an interesting sort of added layer to what makes Woodson sort of different or distinct in, in the recruiting process, you know, as a, as a, you know, sort of a longtime professional coach, somebody who's a little bit new and a little bit fresh to the college ranks. Um, is that this is the third year in a row Indiana's added a, a top 40 player in the spring. Tamar Bates was committed to Texas. He got out of his letter of intent when Shaka Smart left for Marquette, and Indiana took him there. Malik Renew, same thing at Florida. Mike White left for Georgia, and Indiana kind of swooped in, in in the spring of 2022. And then, obviously, Mbako is the highest profile one, but the point is there's also this pattern of Indiana being able to kind of target kids who maybe are unexpectedly back in the recruiting pool in the spring that fill a certain hole um, that Indiana is able to build that, that relationship and that rapport really quickly. So like it, it, you know, in terms of it, on one hand, there's a world where if Indiana doesn't get McKenzie and Baco, yes, there's a, a big sort of hole in the roster on the other Indiana actually had other plans and, and Mbako sort of wound up kind of falling into their, their sites because other things didn't work out as well. And Indiana does have this sort of pre-established under this coaching staff, both Woodson and his assistants, um, reputation of being able to move quickly and successfully through these spring recruitments. Well, it seems like McKenzie has obviously a higher ceiling than their alternative path was, uh, just because, you know, uh, obviously what top 10 recruit, um, five consensus five star. So it's just fascinating to me. Like you said, there's that alternate history there that uh, uh, this roster probably looks a lot different or, or feels a lot different if, if he's not on it. No, that's fair. And again, you know, it's, you don't want to fall into kind of the trap of just making like the, the the simplest sort of drawing the simplest comparisons you can, but you do wonder if there's an extent to which renew is a slightly different case because they had recruited renew in the fall. He was obviously Jalen Huchifino's teammate. Um, I don't think it was ever, you know, nearly as serious as it obviously, it wasn't like he was on the brink and it was IU or Florida or that kind of thing. Um, it wasn't ever nearly as serious as it got in the spring when he eventually signed. Um, but you also do wonder if there's, whether it's his background in the pros or it's just his personality or a bit of both, because, you know, Woodson kind of has this reputation and it started with the meeting he had with Trace Jackson Davis when Jackson Davis, basically by his own admission, when the coaching change happens in 2021 is pretty much out the door. I mean, he, he, you know, the, the way he described it, and I can't remember his exact words, but you know, he more or less said like I was one foot and four toes, in the NBA draft. And then I sit down and meet with Mike, you know, with, with, with Mike Woodson and my dad's there. And 
instead of, you know, feeding me all of this sort of flowery sugar coated praise, he is, he sits down and he rolls film of all the things I'm doing wrong, all the areas I need to get better and how he's going to help me do that stuff. And he's very brutal with me in a way. And he's very honest with me. And he said, basically my dad and I walked out of that meeting and we were like, I'm staying and I'm playing for this guy. And that does sort of seem like I asked McKinsey and Baco a little bit about this yesterday. That does sort of seem to resonate with a number of kids. I think perhaps in particular, the kids who, you know, expect to be challenged at the highest level. McKenzie and Baco literally said yesterday, the plan is to be here for one year. You know, yeah, the, and I wrote, uh, yeah, I wrote about that. This the plan is, too. the plan is I want to go to the NBA after this year. And I do wonder if there's an extent to which for kids with a, a certain amb- you know, level of ambition, a coach like Woodson, who obviously can talk about his experiences in the NBA, but is also going to be a little bit more blunt with him and a little bit more direct. If that's not slightly more appealing, because there is, there's already in their own mind, this idea of, well, I want to be direct. I, I, I want to be as, as sort of efficient as I can in moving from being an elite high school player through college to being an NBA draft prospect. You know, if, if you have somebody who obviously can talk again about the NBA side, but is also, willing to be you know pretty bare and upfront with you about this is where i think you need to get better and this is you know my path to getting you there and i'm going to coach you hard and there's going to be times where i'm going to be i'm going to be honest with you in ways that probably make you uncomfortable but it's it's all part of this process it does seem to appeal to some of these kids and that's what carmelo i mean he called carmelo anthony up and asked for advice and and, and or asked for her perspective on what's it and that's essentially the kind of the message he got you know, used the kind of the phrase, the old school kind of coach, uh, blunt, direct. Um, and those were things that actually appealed to Mbako. Or, I mean, you know, he said so um, that, you know, that he he wants to be coached like that. He wants a, you know, a voice like that. And that's sort of what helped sort of, uh, you know, that's what his mom saw, I guess, <laughs> led her to try to reach out to uh, to Woodson. And, and it all kind of uh, worked out. I guess the the other part of like, I don't know, the vibe or whatever you want to say from media day that was interesting was, you know, just kind of hearing from the guys who'd been around last year and, you know, basically how much they thought the team had changed, but ways in which, you know, they were pretty upfront, you know, you get a lot of cliches on days like this, obviously, and it's not like we didn't, you know, get our, our snowstorm of them, but in between all that, there was a lot of like Malik Renew saying, I think we're going to space the floor a lot better this year, which is interesting when you consider that Indiana is probably going to play bigger this year than it played last year with Mbako at the three and some sort of rotation of like Renew, what Kalel Ware and, and uh, Peyton Sparks in, in the post, you know, Caleb Banks is going to get in there somewhere, whether it's at the three or the four, um, it's not hard to imagine I've referenced Woodson's time with the Hawks as, as I think being maybe more instructive than his time with the Knicks, because he built that team up from, from really its foundations in terms of, he was kind of the Hawks intentionally tore everything down, dumped all their assets and started from the bottom and worked their way up. Um, you know, he built a team that was very interchangeable in Atlanta in terms of Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Josh Childress, Marvin, I was about to say Marvin Harrison, um, Marvin Williams, you know, I mean, like the only like true center his best Hawks teams probably had was Zaza Pachulia in, in terms of, you know, Horford started at center, but really didn't play like one and, and probably isn't one. Um, but those teams could still space the floor well enough, shoot the three well enough, 
you know, be effective from enough different spots on the floor in an interchangeable way well enough that the offense just wasn't kind of slogged. And that's how Atlanta wound up being a 50 win team and going to the playoffs, you know, three or four years in a row under Woodson. Um, you know, hearing Malik Renu say, I think we're going to shoot the ball. We, we may shoot the ball better, you know, in terms of overall court space and hearing, you know, I think Trey Galloway saying there's going to be or Xavier Johnson, both. I think both of them saying there's a lot more guys that can put the ball on the floor comfortably. Xavier Johnson even said at one point, like, you know, people think I know people think I'm going to have the ball in my hands all the time as a point guard. But I think they'll be surprised how often I don't. Essentially, it does just feel like it's 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 migrating more toward. Maybe if you'd asked Mike Woodson before he was ever contacted about being interviewed for this job and you'd said, you know, you're a head coach today, hypothetically, what kind of team, what does your team look like? Ideally, it just feels like it's all migrating more in that direction. And while Woodson will say and said many times, it's, it's a work in progress, we've got a long way to go, all those things. It does feel like his players at least appreciate how they fit in that, like what it's supposed to look like and, and their role in it. And I guess, if nothing else, that's a good start. Well, yeah, the buy-in is certainly there. I mean, it's just a matter of now uh, how long it takes them to sort of translate that and and be effective. Because, um, you know, he said, he was pretty upfront that, you know, it doesn't look the way it's supposed to look right now. Uh, and, you know, you kind of expect that with 10 new, new faces. Um, uh, you know, one of your guys come back from a major injury. Um, you know, one of the guys that you thought was going to be in the lineup is out. And so it's like, you know, it, it's going to be a work in progress for a while, for a while. And they've got a tough schedule. At what point does it click for them? Obviously you kind of set the date as, you know, probably December, the, those first couple of big 10 matchups where you hope things start to gel, right? Like that's the point where you eat the line in the sand, where you f- kind of think that, you know, you hope the, the team looks like it's going to at that point. There's always, I mean, in a basket, in a college basketball season, there's always a handful of teams that, you know, get to the new year and they're only like seven and five yeah, or, or eight and four, but then you get to selection. Michigan Sunday. State is a lot of, t- has tons of teams like that. Izzo had, had and, 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 and it's, it's felt like, you know, people love to say, oh, Izzo schedules his team tough because he doesn't want to back down from a challenge. And, you know, Izzo's obviously famous for his non-conference schedules, but I think Tom Izzo would probably tell you, well, I'm, you know, basically I don't coach to win in November and December. I coach to win in March. And, um, you know, it, it people who listen to this podcast will know I'm very fond of an old Kelvin Sampson saying, which is you don't play February basketball in November. I think there's a world where Indiana looks kind of rough around Christmas or maybe is only starting to figure it out. You know, maybe Kansas is is kind of their first real high watermark or whatever, because, I mean, that non-conference schedule or not even non-conference, but I guess just the first like two weeks of the season, um, you're looking at you know, November 19 and 20 in New York, Thanksgiving yeah. week. And then you've got Harvard on the Sunday. Harvard is usually at least kind of like a, not a rollover team. That's in Indianapolis. Then you've got Maryland and Michigan, then Auburn, then Kansas. I mean, that is a, that is basically a rough four weeks if you want to see it that way. Um, and there's a world for me where Indiana comes out of that four weeks and, and people are saying, mm, I'm not really sure. But in Mike Woodson's mind, he's thinking, my team needed that. You know, again, in the same way, I think Izzo sometimes says, my team needs yeah, it's, that. Yeah, they're a team that you could easily see coming out 500 of, of the non-conference and then 
competing for the Big Ten in terms of, you know, being a top five team. I don't know if necessarily the, the Big Ten championship is realistic unless they show a huge upside. But I mean, you, you can't that's kind of how I think the best case scenario for this team is, is that they take their lumps early. And then you know they are they are a hard out in the Big Ten. Like they're they're no nobody's going to be looking at that team this team and say oh you know that you know look look past them. And I think I think that's what Mike Woodson wants and would hope for. Um, you know, in terms of their ceiling, I'm not sure yet, but I think that's kind of way this team's going to have to kind of play it. I also think the one thing I will say is. I find it fascinating to talk about how this team fits together offensively. I think there are some ways it's probably going to be challenged, but I also think there's some ways that it could be a lot better than it's been the last couple of years, um, or at least a lot more fluid, maybe a lot harder for opponents to define. You know, there were times, especially toward the end of last season where, um, you know, it, it feels like, or it would sort of feel like Indiana would kind of go into these games and, and basically everyone would sort of know the score. It would be Trace Jackson Davis. It would be Jalen Huchifino. You could predict where on the floor those guys were going to get their offense. You could predict how other teammates would fill in around them. And it was just kind of a question of whether an opponent could slow them down enough. I think Indiana may be a little bit harder to predict this season if it can get better in the ways that it thinks it can offensively deeper into the year. The one thing that I think has got to hold it down, and and if you know if Indiana has a, a productive November, December, I think it's going to be defensively. And that's where I don't think a lot is going to change. Um, Indiana has switched pretty much as, as much as, it per, as, as its personnel would allow in the last couple of years. Um, I think Mike Woodson may allow this team to switch even more just when you consider the athletic ability of the, of the players he's putting out on the floor. And, you know, when you, especially when you talk about a, a Kolo Ware or a McKenzie Mbako, things like wingspan and reach foul trouble will always come into it. You know, Malik Renew, of course, could be really good at times defensively and certainly rebounding the ball but had a lot of trouble staying on the floor as a freshman because he'd get into foul trouble. That's always going to be part of it. Um, Mike Woodson even made some vague references to me yesterday of pressing more and playing more zone. We'll see about that. I mean, that's, you know, like that's my, like Tom Enzo says we might play zone every September. And, and then I think, you know, Michigan state gets logged with one zone defensive possession every year. And that's by accident. Um, But I think that, whatever Indiana's defense looks like, if even if Woodson does maybe, you know, mix it up a little bit more than he has the last couple of years, to me that has that has got to be what sort of underpins this team's start to the season in, insofar as if they're going to be competitive in New York, if they're going to, you know, because that is a tougher start, at least on paper, and we don't know what these teams will look like in, in practice. Right. But that is a tougher start than Indiana's normally been handed in the December. Like, you know, Indiana usually gets like a Nebraska or a Penn State or a Northwestern in the December. And, of course, some, you know, every once in a while that one of those teams is a lot better than we expect. But generally, in, you know, those are teams that you expect to be toward the bottom of the Big Ten. Getting Maryland and Michigan early on is more of a challenge than, uh, you know, on paper anyway, Indiana's gotten consistently with those December Big Ten games. It just kind of feels like if you're going to have you know, the, the success, the level of success Indiana is going to enjoy in November and December. And there, I do agree there may be some rocky moments. I think a lot of it really is going to come down to how quickly this team can pull itself together defensively and how good it can be at that end of the floor. Well, yeah, and one interesting you mentioned where will be a big piece of that. And I thought that was one sort of um, interesting uh, Woodson acknowledging that, you know, what he's gone through with uh, Dana Altman calling him uh, uh, lazy, essentially, uh, at his previous stop in Oregon, and um, 
talk to him a little about that and just trying to um you know change the message because this kid was a lottery you know potential lottery pick uh going into last year and and kind of fell off the map and um you know he defensively i think he'd be a big piece of that you mentioned wingspan seven footer um another guy that was a five-star prospect that they landed uh, i think he's going to be a key to a lot of their um effort um in, in that front court and you know he's a guy that you know, basically was ca- called out on, on the carpet. You know, you don't hear that a lot from coaches. Like, you know, it was like comments like if he cares, if he shows up. Um, and so I, I think he's sort of an interesting uh, player to watch. You know, the, the, one of those guys that I think will determine how high the ceiling is of this team. I also think, too, and, and you know, it's this kind of ties in a weird way into what we've talked about with Indiana in 2024 recruiting. And, of course, given – that a lot of the guys Indiana's targeting in 24 are pretty um, seem pretty set on deciding by November. I, I don't expect the season to necessarily have a huge impact on that one way or the other. But you you know you've got players here like a Kalel Ware, like a McKenzie Mbako, you know maybe to a slightly lesser extent like a, a Malik Renew, who would have you know based on their ranking, based on their you know, the, the pedigree of like the teams they played for in high school and in AAU and, you know, especially in where and in Baco's cases, you know, where they're popping up on NBA draft boards already for 2024. You've got guys that, that have some legitimate sort of professional ambitions here. And it's, you know, it's not like Indiana didn't have that before. But of course, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is a senior. That's slightly a slightly different conversation it does seem like Indiana got a real boost in sort of recruiting and, and, and appeal when Jalen Huchifino went one and done, which while everyone recognized he was a really good player out of high school, I don't think anyone necessarily expected him to be that ready for the NBA that quickly. And Indiana played a really big role in, you know, kind of flattening his curve and getting him to that level maybe sooner than expected. I do think this is a, another year where maybe you're a little bit, you know, more um, closely judged and, you know, you can kind of do a lot or very little for your reputation when you talk about Khalil Ware, who, as you said, had a really underwhelming freshman year at Kansas. I think even he would say that, you know, the, the, the reasons for that you'll have, you know, you talked about what Dana Altman said. I, I'm sure Ware would say, you know, there were other mitigating circumstances. One way or the other, he's still seen as a, a high-level draft prospect, um, he did say he wants to leave after this year too. He, he okay, said, I didn't. Yeah, because I didn't. I didn't get a chance to talk to him as much as I knew you. Yeah, did. I talked to him. He said, you know, that's the that's the goal to be mm-hmm. one, essentially, you know, because that was the goal last year, but now it's just still the same that you know one and done here now essentially. And so now you're going. You know, now you've got a different kind of NBA prospect. How do you take advantage of his skills? How do you develop him? Mbako may be the most fascinating one in the sense that you know, everybody wants those wings that can play big, that have great wingspan and leap, but can also shoot and score, you know, th- like that is the kind of the, that is the, you know, the, the well, great. He, said, he just, he said he's positional. I mean, it's actually two through the five. He said he'd be comfortable playing. And that, so, and if you look obviously <laughs> at the NBA, that's, that's a dream, yeah, right? That's what they want to hear. Yeah. Those, those sorts of players are basically as in demand as anybody. Um, what do you do with a player like that? It's sort of, there's always an extent to which like your, your reputation in recruiting is only as good as like the last group you sent off to the draft or whatever. 
but it feels like you know Woodson has kind of built this burgeoning relationship, or not relationship, but this this burgeoning reputation for Indiana as a place where you can come, you can work under him and his staff, and the, the facilities they have, the apparatus they have, the system they run, the way they develop their players, all that will get you ready quickly for the NBA. It feels like a, a year where that may be sort of examined even more closely, frankly. Um, well, I mean, if they can reboot Ware's reputation. I mean, this was he was a top ten pick in a lot of boards and betting sites last year. Going into that that Oregon his freshman year, they could reboot him and transition Mbako into a, a sort of a top ten, top fifteen pick. I mean, you're really talking. I mean, those are legitimate pieces to, um, you know, uh, Woodson mentioned on the recruiting trail. You know, sitting at the dinner table with these top guys and getting a getting a chance to pitch them. I mean, that's your pitch, right? Like, you know, for guys like that, uh, you know, these guys came in, they wanted to be. <laughs> go in the lottery and we got him there in one year. I mean, that's what it's easy pitch, right? I've got to give you the, this quote that he, he gave me um, when I was sitting down with him and I'll use it later sometime later this year. He said, when I first came in here as the coach and he said, he said stuff like this before. I don't think he's ever said it quite so bluntly. And I don't know if you've picked up on it yet, but Mike Woodson does not mind some colorful language. Um, and, and it's frankly refreshing in a world where it feels like coaches just sanitize everything they say. He said, when I first came in here as the coach, my coaches, assistants that we kept over and the new guys I hired, they were like, Woody, you can't start at the top in terms of recruiting. And I said, bullshit, why not? And that is certainly sort of defined not just his approach to high school recruiting, but I think his approach to roster building and his approach to, you know, what, why can't I try and convince Trey Jackson Davis to say, what, why wouldn't I do that? Why can't I go? recruit Jalen Huchifino? Why can't I try to get in McKenzie Mbako's living room? He's a top 10 player. Nobody expected him to be open in the spring. Why can't we get in the door and, and make our pitch there? And that has worked, I would say, you know, to his credit, often enough to really give him a lot of this these opportunities. And Indiana, of course, has had a couple successful seasons, if maybe short of what Woodson himself says is the bar. But kind of the more you do it, you know, the the higher you climb, suddenly the thinner the margin for error is, the, the the greater the scrutiny. And while admittedly, I don't know how much people expect of Indiana this season nationally. Last year, yeah. Indiana was the Big Ten favorite. I think everyone could acknowledge Indiana wasn't without questions, but the rest of the conference was sort of so muddled and unclear that you just went with the team that had the most talent or, or at least sort of the most proven success. Um, and in fairness, Indiana finished, what, third in the conference. So it's not like last season was some bottomed out disappointment, but there's not that same kind of spotlight on Indiana this year. But I think what there is, is more of a question of, okay, can you continue it? You know, can you, can, when you're rebuilding it, maybe your way, or when you're, you know, when you're, you know, when you're selling these recruits on not just kind of coming in and, and oh, this is the start of something, but like, we're going to continue something and, and I'm going to keep turning it over and doing it a little bit differently and tweaking it. But what will be consistent is your development and our success I think kind of the thing that Indiana kind of gets judged on as much as anything else this year is that continuity and that sense of can you just kind of keep ticking it over, keep raising the level of talent in your program, keep developing that talent. And then at some point, you know, whether it's you get a favorable Big Ten schedule, somebody takes a, a leap in skill that was a little bit unexpected, whatever it is, you have kind of that breakout moment where you are a second weekend tournament team or you win the Big Ten or you even make a run at the Final Four. Well, yeah, and you could sell, you could sense that Woodson, I don't think, would have a problem. I mean, he'd, he'd like to win the Big Ten, but if this team, 
like we said, you know, takes some lumps in some of these games and then is just hardened in the tournament and, and makes a run, like he'd take that. Like, and, and I think that this is the type of team that's sort of built for that, that you're going to probably get, you know, you hope you get their best basketball at that point in the year. Um, because right, you know, right off the bat, they're they're going to struggle a little bit. They're you know they've got too many uh, new faces, and, and and a lot of those are so young and and um, uh, unproven that it's going to take some time. And, I, and I, but I th- I think he's going to be okay with that. And I think that you know if they can you know make either make a run in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, and, and he he'll have the things to point to, you know, next year on the recruiting trail that like look this works, I can do this and. Um, you know, further brandish his reputation on the collegiate level and not just have to rely on sort of his, uh, you know, his NBA success and his, you know, being able to get players to the league. But I, I think you're right that it's about sustaining it and, and trying to uh, build a team under his own image because this is obviously the, the you know, now it's his his group, really. And it seems to take after him. We don't have a ton of time left, but like you mentioned, you know, where saying the plan is to be here for one year. And, and like I said, I, I heard Mbako say basically the same thing. Like one of the refreshing things about Woodson, we, you know, we all kind of chuckle at, at when he swears and things like that, but like, he's, he's pretty open. Like when he doesn't want to talk about something, he'll just say, Oh, that stays in the locker room or whatever. But when, when he, when he's willing to talk about it, he'll kind of talk about, you know, most anything that you ask him about, he'll entertain the question. He'll walk you through it. You may get some cliches, but you also get, you know, some honest answers. And what's interesting is his team seems to sort of take after him in that way. There's no well, like, that oh, I'm just going to take it one day at a time and see where I am at the end of the year. There's kind right. of this like, hey, what, you know, there's, there's in the same way that he says, I came back here to win a national title. I came back here to win the Big Ten as often as possible. That's all I'm, that's all I'm worried about. You know, basically he said before, like, why wouldn't I? say that why like if that like why wouldn't that be the ambition in a place like this and if it is then why wouldn't i just say it then you've got players who kind of seem to follow the same path of just like well why wouldn't i tell you that this is my ambition this is my dream this is why i'm here again it may work it may not but at very least it, it does seem like he's got a roster that's that's really on board with him his approach his attitude his mentality and his way of doing things well i think that's what you get when you have an nba you know same thing with i think um, the NFL teams that like Alabama that treat their guys like the pros where you treat them like adults and you have, you know, sort of uh, view them as, you know, that, that level, like, look, you have these aspirations. I have these aspirations. We're on the same page. There's no need to hide it. Right. Like, I mean, I think that, um, you know, some coaches think they're doing their best to protect their kids when they're really just sort of shielding them from, you know, shielding them from reality. And that doesn't uh, do them any benefit. And I think Woodson's sort of the coach that understands like, look, if this guy wants to go to the NBA, we need to be having those conversations. He needs to be approaching things like a pro. Um, and like you said, uh, you know, a lot of these guys seem to have embraced that and taken on uh, that sort of attitude. And that's not a bad thing. Cause I mean, they're, you know, that that's where they're at. They're, they're, they're trying to, they're all aspiring to do the same thing. Um, and, and I think he's treats them like that. And I, I, I've always appreciated that from coaches rather than the ones that shield them from the obvious sort of reality. Let's call it there. Um, there's obviously going to be plenty of basketball to talk about, a lot more coming out of media day. Uh, I know Mike's written stuff. I've written stuff. Uh, Zion Brown wrote for us yesterday and is going to ahead. I, I also encourage you, Chloe Peterson will be covering a ton of women's basketball for us this year. Obviously, expectation has not receded one inch for that team and that program heading into this season after winning the Big Ten last year, but by their own admission, maybe not having the postseason that they, they, had, uh, they had been aiming for. 
Um, so heraldtimesonline.com, indiestar.com slash sports, you know where to find it. This has been Mind Your Banners for September 21st, 2023. For Mike Nislick, I'm Zach Osterman. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back Sunday, or I guess you'll probably hear it Monday, uh, recapping Indiana's game against Akron. We'll talk to you soon.